The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at CloroxHealthCare.com. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on C. diff Spores and More Global Broadcasting Network. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products, keeping environments safer, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash C. diff radio. Thank you and welcome. we welcome our guest, Professor Simon Cutting, Head of Biomedical Sciences from the Royal Holloway University of London in the United Kingdom, here to discuss an oral vaccine for a C. C. difficile infection. At this time, I would like to welcome Professor Cutting to the program. Welcome today, Dr. Professor. Thank you, and thank you for joining us today and taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. And Professor Cutting, what do you believe are the probable causes um, of C. difficile infections, and why is it so prevalent in today's society? Uh, y- yes, all right, so that's a very good question. I, I would say, first of all, um, it's only present in some societies. It's not a worldwide problem. Um, and there are many parts of the world which have no C. difficile at all, so that's an interesting thing for someone to think about. Um, uh, so, for example, the, the area which has the most C. difficile is, of course, North America, the United States, um, followed by Europe and then Japan. Um, but one interesting thing is you can go to Africa, you can go to Vietnam, and I've spent a lot of time looking for C. difficile in Vietnam, and it simply doesn't exist. There are, and when I say it doesn't exist, there are no reports of C. difficile infection. And so then the question is, why is C. difficile present in some areas and not others? And when you think about this, one possibility, one obvious question would be, um, well, maybe in Africa they have far greater problems than they haven't spent any time looking for this particular pathogen. Um, and there's some truth in that. But I, I was at a talk uh, recently where um, some researchers, scientific researchers, were discussing the incidence or the prevalence of C. difficile, infectious C. difficile, in their countries. And, of course, you have the Americans and you have the English, etc., but when I listen to talks from Italians and Spanish people, there was very little C. difficile reported. Now, again, possibly maybe they're not looking deep enough. But another thing that struck my mind was, is it possible there's any link with the diets? Because, of course, as everyone knows, the Italian and Spanish diets are particularly healthy. We believe they're healthy. Um, is, it, is there any link with this? And very few people have really thought about this. Um, another country would be Vietnam, which has particularly good food. I think your president tried some yesterday. Um, and they all say it's a very healthy diet, but there's no C. difficile. So I'm not saying that is one of the factors, but it's certainly something to think about because, of course, if you then think about the North American diet, 
Um, I'm speaking as an Englishman who spent 10 years in America. And I'll say, while it's very filling, one question you might think about is, um, is there a link with the diet? Um, and when you think about food, you would then think about when you walk around the supermarket, or I think you call it a supermarket or store in America, or England for that matter, the food is particularly um, clean, it's sterile, it's gamma-irradiated, because we all are led to believe that um, clean food is better for us. And you may or may not have heard about something called the hygiene hypothesis. The hygiene hypothesis is basically people now who are brought up in a society where they have very little contact with bugs or germs or bacteria um, tends to develop allergies later on in life. And you can see this in North America and also England and Germany. There is a rise in um, uh, infections. Uh, there's a rise in, uh, excuse me, allergies. And you can almost link this to the improvement in food hygiene. And um, as Mary Antoinette said in France just before her execution, um, let them eat cake. I think the analogy would be let them eat dirt. And I think even in America there's now a growing awareness that having a diet early on in life where you're being exposed to bacteria and bugs possibly is better for you than not having this. So that, that's one thing to think about and to answer your question. The second thing I would say, which is antibiotics. You all know that there's extensive use of antibiotics, particularly in America and developed regions, certainly in the United Kingdom. Traditionally, they're used as growth promoters in animals, and in humans, of course, they're used as um, for therapeutic purposes. But we are very, very much dependent on antibiotics, and perhaps, perhaps in America, North America, where the healthcare system is very organized, um, perhaps people are using antibiotics when they shouldn't, and this provides an opportunity for C. difficile. Um, so you have to think of uh, the emergence of this disease and what might be driving it. Um, and lastly, I would say, and this relates to the hygiene hypothesis, it is possible that by exposing yourself through food and contact with germs and bacteria, you are actually exposing yourself to other agents. And by this, I mean uh, viruses. In science, we call them bacteriophages, which perhaps um, are beneficial in terms of they prevent C. difficile um, from ordinarily growing in our gut. Um, but now we never have contact with these organisms. So I think it's a combination of maybe an overuse, over-reliance on antibiotics. And I also believe there is some link with our diet. And you can almost correlate all of this mostly with um, developed countries. So how's well, that for an answer? Oh, that's wonderful, Professor Cutting. And um, it's, they're interesting points you're bringing up because uh, our medical director of the CETA Foundation, Dr. Mandelawi, who resides in the Middle East, has also um, brought this point up to us during meetings. And he only treated two cases of C. difficile infection last year in Bahrain. So uh, it's really interesting how um, you have brought that to light. And Dr. Cutting, before we go to a commercial break, can you briefly touch on um, and explain to us what is required to prevent a C. difficile infection as opposed to treating it? Uh, yes. Well, um, I think, first of all, if anyone knew the answer to that, um, but my, my, in scientific terms, in, do you want a scientific answer or do you want a general answer? Um, the scientific a answer would be what you would do scientifically to prevent it, whereas a general, you know, so the, the 
I, I would say if you want to prevent getting C. difficile, you, based on what I've just said, you might need to consider um, avoiding antibiotics. And although you don't really have this choice when you enter a hospital, you might at least question, and hopefully your doctor will do this, the use of antibiotics. Um, when it comes to diets, if you have children, maybe you should consider the bringing them up with uh, more organic, um, healthier food and consider this. Is there a link? The scientific answer is you need to prevent the organism from colonizing in your gut. That's the key thing. You have to prevent the colonization of the gut. And no one yet really knows how to do this, um, but it is linked to the current fecal microbiota transplantation approaches. Um, that approach seems to prevent this pathogen from colonizing your, your gut. And a final answer would be you have to prevent acquisition. So it is well known now that animals, almost all animals, mammals, carry C. difficile. And this is shed in their feces. So you only have to walk to a farm to realize how you're exposed to these, um, this potential pathogen. So in principle, um, by the overuse of antibiotics, in the animal industry, we are, in effect, breeding super strains of C. difficile, which, if by chance they transfer to humans, they pre present a risk. But this is not necessarily something you as a person can do. This needs a, a national effort. But I would say to you, if you live on a farm and your uncle has broken his leg and he's in a hospital and you go to the farm walk from the farm and you get in a car and you drive to the hospital, what are you bringing into the hospital? Exactly. That's not something you personally can uh, deal with. It's something which has to be controlled at the hospital level. And I don't know the answer to that. I well, can certainly tell you in the Netherlands, for example, they, um, if you work in a... Um, if you have a, if you live in a farm or you're in a farming family, they will prevent members of that family from working in a hospital because they understand the risk of you walking into a hospital every day, basically covered in C. difficile, which is what happens. But, exactly. Um, the root cause is something else. But anyway, yeah, I hope that was a satisfactory answer. Absolutely. And we appreciate you sharing all that information with our global listeners, Dr. Cutting. And right now we are going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue learning more about an oral vaccine for a C. difficile infection with Professor Simon Cutting. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. 
It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing. Number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff spores and more, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce Professor Simon Cutting to the show. Welcome back, Professor Cutting. Yes, thank you. You're welcome, and thanks for being here today. And Professor Cutting, maybe you'd like to share your insight about what you think about probiotics. Uh, probiotics, yes. So I, I know quite a lot about probiotics. So, so as I mentioned earlier, um, the probiotics, of course, are live bacteria. And I said that um, exposure to live bacteria, a variety of these bacteria, certainly early in life, seems to be important for the development of our, our body's immune system. And of course, I'm sure your listeners probably are aware that you know we have ten times more bacteria in us than there are cells in our body, which is incredible. So we're more bacterial than we are human in many ways, um, and we need these bacteria. And as we all know, there are bad bacteria, but the vast majority of bacteria in our bodies. So this primarily means our guts are there for a reason. And if you were to remove all of those bacteria, we would have uh, significant uh, symptoms which we would experience. And it would come in various forms. So we need these bacteria. that They are beneficial for our health. Um, and there does seem to be some link between um, the use of probiotic bacteria and the ability to prevent C. difficile infection. So one of one of the problems with this is, before I give some kind of explanation, is that, as anyone knows, if you go to a CVS, am I allowed to? Well, anyway, if you go to a, your local pharmacy, um, or drugstore, as you call them in America, you will see a large number of probiotic products, all with names and labels on them, and there's a significant commercial driver behind it. However, taking all of that aside, there does seem to be evidence that regular use of probiotics, and that means on a daily basis, um, does seem to have some benefits. The problem is you, you really have to take the probiotic every day. And, of course, different companies, producers of these products, will all have their claims. They'll all be saying it does this or does, does that. Um, and you have to sort of try to identify what you think might be beneficial. Um, but I, from what I've seen, there is clear evidence that if you take some types of probiotic, they seem to be able to provide some type of protection against C. difficile infection. Now, first of all, most of this is shown in animals. It's not shown in human studies. And, of course, what you all have to remember is that how would you prove this? Um, so you can't deliberately infect people with Clostridium C. difficile. Um, what it means is you would have to take 1,000 people and divide them into two groups and show that in one group who take probiotics every day there is some type of benefit. This is extremely difficult to do this. Um, but I think there is some uh, substance behind this. Uh, Trevor Lawley, he's a scientist, Dr. or Professor Trevor Lawley, he's at the University of Cambridge. 
in this month in a very prominent journal um, called Nature, um, this month showed that 30%, about 30% of the bacteria in a human gut are what we call spore-forming bacteria. They form spores. And there are a number of these products out there which are for sale, which contain bacterial spores. And one, one possible route is to consider using these spores every day. There may be some benefits, but it is very important to remember this is not a drug. This is a food. So you have to remember at the very beginning that try to ignore what is any potential claims, and there shouldn't really be claims on the packet. You have to become very informed and self-educated. How it works is most likely a process called immune exclusion, where taking these bacteria is able to stimulate the immune system in a way that prevents C. difficile infecting in your guts. Um, and I think this, this um, process, this mechanism I've just mentioned, will be, become apparent this year because there will be a number of papers which, in fact, is very much relevant to what we're doing on vaccine research, which show, shows that immune exclusion seems to be a, a potential mechanism for preventing C. difficile from colonizing the host. And um, it's important to remember that the use of probiotics in many ways is not very different from fecal microbiota transplantation. Because, of course, feces, I'm sure your, your listeners know this, is basically 99% bacteria. So here you have a very smelly concoction of bacteria. A probiotic usually is just one bacterium. But there are now people trying to develop, uh, I use the word products, probiotic foods. I, I don't want to use the word drug, but probiotic foods that contain mixtures of bacteria, which are spore-forming bacteria. And potentially, these could have efficacy. They could really work. And I would say to any listeners, if you pay attention to this, um, you may find something which could potentially be beneficial the caveat with all of this is um, you have to fight your way through the marketing claims. Um, but I would say stay tuned on this. Um, and, of course, remember, just keep remembering this is not a, a drug of any kind. It is a food. And, um, Dr. Cutting, in regards to it being a food, what do you think about the natural forms of probiotics that are found in food sources? Yes, okay, so uh, okay. So traditionally, um, probiotics were uh, first originated in the Caucasus, which is one part of Europe, and basically farmers and villagers were fermenting milk drinks, and they realized that, well, scientists realized that the active ingredient is rather like yeast in making bread, it was bacterial, or yeast is, is not bacteria, but it's a microbe. So they realized there are bacteria which were linked with the potential health benefits of these fermented milk drinks. Um, now, those particular bacteria are not spore-forming bacteria, but about 100 years ago, one Russian scientist then realized that, wow, can there be a link between eating all these bacteria and uh, health benefits? But if you go to other parts of the world, so for example, Japan, one of the most popular products, certainly not with tourists, but the Japanese people, is something known as natto. And natto, N-A-T-T-O, is a fermented soybean product, which has enormous quantities of a spore-forming bacteria, and in this particular case, it's called Bacillus fusculus, which people are eating. And this is a fermented food. And they have numerous health benefits linked to this food. Now, there may be some people listening who've actually eaten that. So I, I personally have eaten it. I certainly don't particularly like it. Um, but you can extract those bacteria 
removed and you don't have to smell and you can eat those bacteria. And I genuinely believe there are health benefits. What I would never say is if you eat those bacteria, it's going to prevent C. difficile infection because that's a very different thing. But you have other fermented foods. You have, for example, kimchi, which comes from Korea. That's fermented cabbage. That also contains a wide variety of bacteria. And it's historically been known that fermented food products are very beneficial. And it's because they contain bacteria, amongst other reasons. You also have the acidity, which is produced when the food is prepared. But when you go to, for example, countries in Asia, you'll see the diet is very rich in fermented foods. And this is something, certainly in the West, and certainly in America, we've moved away from. Food companies, people push you in a certain direction where, you know, your pizza margarita or whatever is considered the be-all and end-all. But um, you have to ask, why aren't we... Why don't we have a more varied diet? And I think it's something to consider. Absolutely, and we do too. And for a complete list of probiotic food sources, uh, they can be found on the C. Diff Foundation's website under nutrition. And Dr. Cutting, thank you so much for sharing all this important information with our global listeners today. We're going to pause for a commercial break. And before we do, the C. Diff Foundation would like to extend our gratitude to Clorox Healthcare, Ceres Therapeutics, Rebiotics, and Summit Therapeutics for being platinum sponsors of the fourth annual International Raising C. Diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo taking place on September 20th in Atlanta, Georgia. We would also like to thank all of our all of the companies for being sponsors for, and participating at this year's annual conference, and we look forward to meeting everyone on September 20th in Atlanta. Now for a, a short commercial break, and when we return, we will continue learning more about an oral vaccine for a C. difficile infection with Professor Simon Cutting. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Join us on September 20th in Atlanta, Georgia for the 4th Annual International Raising C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo. Visit the C. diff Foundation website at cdifffoundation.org for event details or contact the C. diff Foundation at 919-201-1512 for additional information. Again, the website is cdifffoundation.org. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products, EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes, trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing. Number one in infection prevention. For additional information on handwashing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to C. Diff Spores and More. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. Diff Spores and More, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. It is a pleasure to reintroduce Professor Simon Cutting to the show. Welcome back, Professor Cutting. Thank you very much, Nancy. 
You're welcome. Professor Cutting, we understand that you have been focusing your research towards creating an oral vaccine for preventing C. difficile infections. Can you talk us through your approach to this? Uh, yes. So uh, we, we've we been working on, yes, oral vaccination. Um, so this would either be in its final form. It might consist of either a drink or a powder or a capsule or possibly even one uh, what's called a fast-dissolving film, which you put under your tongue. And I have to say that like all high technology and clinical efforts, this will take time to reach the final form, but what we're just about to enter into a clinical trial, which we'll mention later, but the, the principle behind this is we, for many years now, we've worked with a, a bacterium, a spore-forming bacterium, which coincidentally is used by some people as a probiotic, but in this sense, there's no, there's a clear distinction. And we use this this spore, which is about one micron, so that's one thousandth of a millimeter in size, absolutely tiny, and we genetically modify this, and um, we, in such a way that it, it resembles the bad parts of C. difficile, which causes illness. So I'm saying this in a very simple form for the benefits of listeners who may not be familiar with this. Um, if I said it in scientific terms, I would say we take a fragment of toxin A and put it on the surface of that spore. But the basic principle is we, we have a little tiny object which we can produce in enormous quantities. And our body, when it sees that, it, it, it thinks this looks like C. difficile, but it's not. So you, you eat this. So we deliver it orally. Everything we do is with animals. And we then say, does it produce an immune response? And a specific immune response, which if later on in life, a human were to be subject to C. difficile infection. So let's say you were infected by C. difficile or you're in a hospital and you take antibiotics your body would immediately recognize um, the toxin, the bad part of C. difficile, which is produced, and your body is now vaccinated, and it would remember, and it would then neutralize that toxin. Now, that type of strategy for inactivating or neutralizing the toxin, which is produced by C. difficile, is currently being used by a number of pharmaceutical companies, and it's a very good approach. However, as I said earlier on, right at the beginning, um, we know that C. difficile is cleverer than that. Producing the toxin is just one part of the, the process. The other part of the infection is the ability of this pathogen to colonize the host. So if you imagine you... you swallowed a, a syrup into your guts, which then lined your guts in such a way that that pathogen could never enter your body or interact with your body, you would never get C. difficile infection. So, of course, we can't do that, but we can do something similar. We can deliver our vaccine, call it a vaccine now, our little spores, our little objects. We can swallow those our body generates a lot of an specific antibody which interacts and binds the C. difficile and prevents C. difficile from colonizing our bodies. And then it, it has no chance to produce that toxin. So the key elements to protect against C. difficile infection are twofold. The first is to prevent that pathogen, C. difficile, from getting a foothold in our body, from colonizing our body. And if it can't touch our cells in our body, it can produce the toxin, but the toxin doesn't do anything. Now, I'm sure if there are any pharmaceutical companies listening, they would, they would start debating the ins and outs of this. And I'm saying it very simply, um, but we have developed a vaccine which we have shown 
prevents colonization and it prevents symptoms of C. difficile infection. And we believe that the only true way to prevent C. difficile infection at a scientific level is vaccination. It is the only way. Everything else is really a treatment or a therapy. Um, but this particular pathogen is extremely difficult. Um, and the underlying mechanism to prevent C. difficile infection is the process I mentioned before called immune exclusion. And C. difficile is very sensitive to our body's immune system. And in fact, C. difficile is not a very good pathogen. It's actually a very bad pathogen. Um, you only get it when you go into hospital and you have an enormous quantity of antibiotics. Um, of course, someone who suffers from C. difficile, it's horrific and life-changing. But as a pathogen, it's not a very good pathogen. Um, and all you need to do is, if you like, turn that amplifier knob and prime our body's immune system and you can beat this infection. And indirectly, the, the approaches now being used elsewhere based on fecal transplantation are basically doing the same thing. It's just that they don't know how it works. And we've identified a mechanism and very soon we'll be submitting this to quite a famous scientific journal and um, we'll be presenting our results. And this vaccine, of course, now is going into the early clinical trials, and that will be starting this year. And, well, I can tell you more about that. Would you like to know now? After, Absolutely. I don't know yeah, how I was just going to ask you, your... yeah, if, if you wouldn't mind discussing the CDVAX clinical trials, that'd be wonderful. Sure. So the, the vaccine trial is, we, we call it CDVAX, the C. difficile vaccine, and we have five partners. And I, of course, am the academic partner. Um, but we have four companies which are involved, small companies. Um, can I mention the names of these? Absolutely. Sort of side to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, these, uh, we, we have Leads to Development, which is a regulatory company in Paris, in France. We have a company called CRIS, which is also in France. And they're very much involved in the analysis of immune responses. We have a company um, in Belgium called Amatsi Q Biologicals. And they produce the vaccine under what's called uh, Currents GMP. That's Currents Good Manufacturing Practice. And finally, we have a company called FGK, which is in Germany. And they will actually conduct the clinical trial in humans. And in fact, the trial will be performed in, well, somewhere in Germany. I don't know precisely where, but, um, and this is a phase one, two, a clinical trial. So it will look at safety and hopefully we'll look for immunogenicity. And we've been working on this together now for three years. And we should have some completion, hopefully by the end of this year. That's wonderful, Dr. Cutting. And what are the next steps after this? Okay, so the next steps would be, as with all of these things, when I started as a scientist, you, you think, oh, this is easy. You just go from a phase one to a phase two. But it's not so simple. And the driver behind all of this is money. You, you need a lot of money. And I've just been blown away by how much money you need and there are some other companies, and I will mention one, um, Smoky Pasteur, which I think is an absolutely fantastic company. And I see how much effort is involved in taking a vaccine from the scientific labs, if you like, to clinical trial. And it really is a heroic task. And it's heroic because you, you need a lot of money to finance this. You will have problems along the way which require that you need to change your plan and you have to deal with regulators. And the world is full of regulators and you have to be very determined 
And of course, in the very end, it becomes incredibly expensive. But uh, for those who choose to follow this path, um, it essentially is very rewarding. And for an unmet medical need such as this, um, something that should be supported. Um, but of course, as a scientist, you realize how difficult this can be. Um, you have to think of safety first. Um, when we do an experiment in the laboratory with animals, it may take three months. But when you do an experiment with humans, it can take five, six years, potentially. Um, and of course, then you're audited. That means some regulator, a regulatory body at many levels will come along and say that you didn't do this, that you should have done this, all for the benefit of the public. Um, but anyway, we have entered this pathway and we will complete the early first stage clinical trial and then I will do my best to attract further interest. Possibly we will um, get interest from a major pharmaceutical company, possibly. Um, we may try to find uh, venture capital funding to fund this. Um, there are many routes to, to achieve this maybe even governmental support. Exactly. And thank you so much for sharing all that information with us, uh, Professor Cutting. And for more information about the CDVAX, uh, in, you know, the information and the research, you can always visit their website at cdvax.org. We are going to pause for a commercial break at this time, and when we return, we will continue learning more about an oral vaccine for a C. difficile infection with Professor Simon Cutting. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll free 1 844 4 CDF. That's 1 844 367 2343. Join us in our fight against CDF and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for CDF infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising CDF awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing. Number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand-washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, global broadcasting network. We welcome our listeners joining us today, and it has been a pleasure to speak with and discuss uh, the oral vaccine, C. difficile infection vaccine with Dr. Professor Cutting, and we welcome him back to the show at this time. All right, thank you, Nancy. 
You're welcome. Thanks for being here today, Professor Cutting. And before we close the program today, would you like to share any closing comments with our global listeners? Uh, well, firstly, I think this, the foundation, your, your foundation is fantastic. Um, you need to raise awareness, um, which you're obviously doing. Um, I, and I'm happy, very happy to be involved. Um, as you know, I'm a scientist. I run my own research lab. Uh, near uh, near Windsor, actually, um, and uh, we've been working on C. difficile now for six years, and we have made some discoveries. Um, the single one thing I have learned from this particular pathogen, it is extremely unusual. And I've worked with a number of pathogens, influenza and tuberculosis, and I genuinely believe the underlying um, uh, cause of this disease is somehow to our lifestyle, which, as I mentioned at the very beginning, whether that's diet or um, our so-called hygiene hypothesis. And I, while I know the disease, you know, obviously it's a terrible disease um, and it afflicts many people, um, there seem to be some drivers um, one of which is the, the antibiotic treatment. And, of course, this now globally is being raised by a number of governments. Um, everyone, I think, needs to reduce their reliance on antibiotics, and this is easier said than done, but this is really education. There's the underlying problem of the transfer of C. difficile from animals to humans. And I would just remind you of some of the major diseases we've had in the last 20, 30 years, which have arisen from animals to humans. So, for example, Marburg fever, Lassa fever, HIV, SARS, Ebola. Now, while this disease clearly is already present with us, there is this concern that we are becoming exposed to... Um, C. difficile from animals and even the food we eat. I read recently that 5 to 10% of raw meats in America is contaminated with C. difficile spores. So a person may say, well, I already have C. difficile in my body. Why does it matter? But as I said earlier, I would be concerned about how this organism is evolving over time. Is it evolving? Is it becoming more antibiotic resistant? So you have to stay away from antibiotics so far as is possible. I think cleanliness is important for the people who operate in hospitals. So you've got to have clean hospitals. And I, I think you also need to think about the, your diet early on in life. That, of course, doesn't apply to all of us who are older. But, you know, if I were to have young children again, I would certainly consider healthier, more organic foods. I would also consider um, consider the use of probiotics. Um, this is a very difficult area to make a comment on, but I, I genuinely believe there is some benefits with this. As for a vaccine, um, as with any vaccine, the question everyone must ask is how many new vaccines have there been in the last 20, 30 years? And you'll find it's less than the number of fingers you have on one hand. And while that may be depressingly low, the reality is making a vaccine is extremely difficult. Um, but the only way to truly prevent this disease is by what's called active vaccination, which is a memorized immune response. And I have a particular approach, or we have a particular approach, which is oral. And we all like the idea of an oral vaccine. Um, but there are other vaccines under development which are injectable. But I think everyone should remember that active vaccination, whether by needle or orally, is the only way to truly prevent the disease in, in the, really in the short term. Long term, it's changing the way we live, I think. Um, so I'd really like to close with those comments. 
Um, you can, anyone can Google and find me. Um, you know my name, and we're at the Royal Holloway University of London. And I have probably a poorly updated website, but you can certainly um, contact me anytime you like. Is that, is that okay for a closing? That's absolutely wonderful. And Professor Cunning, we at the CETA Foundation, thank you so much for being part of the Research and Development Committee and for all that you and your team members do for the prevention and the treatment of C. difficile and raising awareness of this infection. We really appreciate you and we thank you for being here today. All right, great. Thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. And we have enjoyed learning more about an oral vaccine for a C. difficile infection, please join us every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, as we discuss up-to-date information with topic experts and with company professionals who are focused on C. difficile infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety products, and much more. Once again, we thank our official sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit their website, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash C. radio. We send out our get well wishes to all the patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection and all wellness draining illnesses all across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, and until next week, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. Thank you for joining us this week, and we wish you a good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.